welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Well, let's give a hand for our AVL team and our worship team. This is a great job this morning. They did a superb job. Really thankful for, uh, for your guys' ministry to us. And um, we're so blessed to have you. So thankful, too, for all your voices. I, hear, I, heard, I heard singing today. That's, that's wild. Could hear you guys singing now, so that's great. So thanks so much for joining with us and singing today. We have a lot of new faces too, so if you're a regular with us, whether online or here in person right now, uh, make sure to say hi to a new face that you haven't seen before. Make sure you greet somebody you haven't seen before and uh, introduce yourself. Um, some of you have gotten in the habit of, uh, because I, I mentioned that I like Lucky Charms. <laughs> And some of you have gotten in the habit of being about your life and seeing Lucky Charms places and thinking to yourself, Robin really likes Lucky Charms. Uh, I, I should probably get him that. <laughs> and, and, my, and my wife said to me recently, like, this is a legit story. She's like, Robin, people keep giving you Lucky Charms stuff. <laughs> like, like, someone got me a bag of Lucky Charms, like, just, like, just Lucky Charms marshmallows. Like, like, people like, are you okay with people just giving you this stuff? Like, like they're kind of teasing you with this Lucky Charms thing. I'm like, no, honey, they're blessing me. <laughs> so if you feel prompted in your spirit to continue to do that, keep doing it. <laughs> Be a cheerful giver. I'm just having fun. Um, I do appreciate that, though. Uh, I, I, I do want to say one thing before we jump into our message, which is about unmet expectations. And, um, and, and we have unmet expectations of each other as churchgoers. We have unmet expectations of employers as people who are employed under a business or a workplace. We have unmet expectations of spouses, maybe siblings, parents. But we have unmet expectations of God. If we're honest with ourselves, Today, we're going to be talking about people who are in close proximity to Jesus. They were in close proximity to the Messiah, but they had an image of a Messiah, and so they couldn't see the Messiah properly. Their image of a Messiah blinded them from seeing the Messiah. I am talking about Jesus as the Messiah, but I'm talking about who, which people am I talking about? I'm talking about his own brothers. His half-brothers, his own family, his own flesh and blood through his adopted father, Joseph. The Bible says, John chapter 7, verse 5 says, for even his brothers did not believe in him. For some reason, John thought it was so important that I'm going to outline it for you. I'm going to write it in these scriptures for the church in Ephesus, and for the church, for all of us in general. I'm going to write this down. Not even his brothers believed in him. Would you say we're in close proximity to Jesus? 
Now, I would say we're in very close proximity to Jesus. Would you say that sometimes you struggle with unbelief? I think, I think a lot of us can be honest with that. And one of the tactics of indwelling sin, so I'm talking about the flesh living inside of you, um, indwelling sin, it's, a, it's, a, it's an entity, it has an agenda against you, against you following Jesus to your fullest, or experiencing life. This entity wants to take advantage as a tactic in using unbelief in your life. Some of you who heard me speak not too long ago, I did a little talk about uh, grief, right? And how grief unpacked over time becomes despair, and then despair can become unbelief. And you're saying, well, I, don't, I believe in Jesus. I believe in a Messiah. But you might have trouble seeing and experiencing the eternal life that is the Messiah, that you can experience, that he promised for you, that he purchased for you, because there might be an area of your life where you don't believe Jesus to work, can work through it and make good of it. Or he's disappointed you too many times. Or you had an expectation that went unfulfilled. And so you say to yourself, he can't be trusted. Listen to me. He can't be trusted with this area. And it's safer for me to live in this world of unbelief rather than risk trusting Jesus with this area of my life. Unbelief. I mean, I love what Peter said not too long ago, and he was, up for, uh, he was leading worship um, last week. And he said, Jesus doesn't want us to really focus on the flesh. He doesn't want us to obsess about it. And that's true. Because if we're always trying to correct the flesh, we're always trying to work on ourselves, then we're taking our eyes off Jesus. Jesus wants to work in and through us. wants to empower us. Um, wants to empower us to experience eternal life. So when I'm bringing your attention to unbelief, what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to point our attention to whenever this happens, whenever you come into an experience where you have an unmet expectation of Jesus, what we often do is we go on creating the Christian how do I say this? We keep entertaining the Christian persona, right? You have an expectation in your life, but you're praying for dinner and you're like, Lord Jesus, we know you're faithful, Lord. And Lord Jesus, I know that even though these hard times are here, that you're going to be good to us. You know, someone's praying long, praying long, and you're like, man, my lucky charms are getting warm. Let's hurry up. <laughs> right? But you ever see, hear someone talk so boldly about faith in Jesus, but you know that you know that you know that they're struggling in an area where they're expecting Jesus to show up and he hasn't shown up, and there's despair there. There's unbelief there. There's, there's grief there. And so when we see unbelief show up in our lives, it's not an opportunity to say, oh, no, what am I going to do? It's an opportunity to now go to Jesus, to have intimacy with him. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. It's not going to be on the screen you don't have to turn to it. But 1 John chapter 5, verse 20 says this, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him, that he is the true God and eternal life. That's the, that's the privilege that we have. We have a privilege to know him intimately. And so sometimes when we experience things that disturb us or give us discomfort or pain, we don't have to wallow in that, but we can bring it to him. It can alert us. Like the check engine light on your dashboard, which I currently have. 
It can alert you to go to him. Why? So you can know him intimately. Why? Because when we, when we confront our unmet expectations, when we bring them to him, when we listen to his instruction from him, and then when we wait patiently with his power, we're going to experience eternal life because that's what, Jesus, that's what Jesus came to do. He came that we would know him and that we would experience eternal life in and through us to empower us through this earthly life. We have the opportunity to know and experience eternal life in order to be empowered through our earthly life because Lord knows our earthly life is challenging, right? If we experience his power in his life, we can make it through. But we're gonna take a close look, a very, very close look at some people who struggled with unbelief that came from the root of unmet expectations. And we're gonna look at it together right now. So I want you to turn to me to John chapter seven, verses one to 10. So you can just turn that with me if you have your phones with you. And what I want us to get out of this is that when we confront, just like I said, we confront those unmet expectations head on with Jesus. We listen closely to his instructions. We wait patiently on him. We can experience eternal life to empower us through this earthly life because he himself is eternal life. So let's pray quickly and then we'll read this together. Uh, so, so Jesus, I'm so thankful today uh, for the privilege of being able to to journey with you through this life because it, it is a burden in, in so many ways. And we can look around and say, okay, well, it's harder for the church in Ukraine or it's harder for so-and-so, it's harder for so-and-so, but all of us have pain. All of us have grief. All of us have unmet expectations. And what are all these things to do? Well, just to draw us back to you, to the, the one who is life. And so let that be the case. Open our eyes to see you, Jesus. I pray that beyond anything that I could say or any kind of dynamics that are given today, that you would reveal yourself. I ask this now in Jesus' name. We all said? Amen. Amen. All right, so let's read John chapter 7, verses 1 to 10. And after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Let's stop there. Don't go anywhere where someone's seeking to kill you, okay? <laughs> Jesus is very smart, and you already knew that, but he's making a lot of sense. I'm not going to go somewhere where people are seeking to kill me. What you're going to see is that Jesus waits for a time where he can go secretly because he knows there's a plot. There is a plot to stop his ministry, and he's not going to show up at this feast when everyone else is showing up to draw attention to himself. He's going to come secretly, so that makes a lot of sense. Let's keep reading. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. Let's stop there. There's a very important part here. The feast of booths. Okay, this is happening kind of September, October-ish time. This is one of the festivals that the, the Jewish people celebrate. It was instructed uh, through Moses for them to do this. It was supposed to be a reminder to the people of Israel about what it was like to travel around in a tabernacle to be nomads, so they'd be reminded of the goodness of God, okay? So this is a really important festival. There's like three major festivals. This is one of them, and all the men were supposed to go to Jerusalem to experience this festival. 
And they're supposed to go there and like create these tents and live in these tents. And then it's harvest time, it's a harvest celebration, so it's likened to Thanksgiving, right? To how we celebrate Thanksgiving, it's likened to that. So it's after the harvest, and so you're gonna eat and celebrate. Amen, right? Eat and celebrate, that's my stuff, I love that. This is, a, this is, this is an important time in the Jewish calendar and a really significant location to be where in the Jewish calendar, anything, like, anything special should or could happen, right? So this is a really, really big deal. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea that your disciples may see the works that you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And there we get that phrase that I mentioned earlier. For not even his brothers believed in him. Now, let's pause there. Because that's really interesting. Because they're making a lot of statements about what they believe someone of Jesus' importance should do, right? It certainly sounds like they believe in Jesus, right? It, it could sound like it. So what is, what is John saying? Why is John saying that now they don't believe in him? It could be confusing. You know, even if you go back and you see how he makes this comment about your disciples also may see your, the works that you're doing. If you read back at John 6, okay, now this is, this, these two events are months apart. But even in John 6, Jesus makes a statement if you eat my body and drink my blood, you know, then you're one of my disciples. And it says that a lot of his disciples, people who were following him, they left. Because they thought this is bizarre. He even says he lost a lot of disciples. So his brothers would have been kind of harking back to that, like, hey, you know, if you want to gain more disciples, Jesus, as your marketing director, <laughs> let me help you get some more followers and likes on Facebook. <clears throat> that doesn't work. Get more followers and likers, like people to follow you, get more disciples, right? This is what you gotta do. Because they're seeing everything that Jesus is doing, they know what Jesus is about, a little bit. They're, they're getting a picture of it. But what they're seeing is somebody who's resembling a Messiah, but they have an image of a Messiah in their minds of what a Messiah should do. You don't have to turn there right now, but Psalm chapter two is a messianic psalm. And in it, it talks about what the Messiah will do, that God will raise up his king on, in Zion on his holy hill. His holy hill, Zion, another description for Jerusalem. So there's an expectation for the Jewish people that the Messiah will show up in Jerusalem. And so they're saying, listen, this is what they're really saying. If you're actually the Messiah... Stop parading around doing your miracles in little Galilee villages where no one knows anything, nobody important is there. If you want to be impressive, you got to go to the Feast of Booths where everybody's having a party and show up and do some crazy miracles there, and then everyone's going to start following you. Go and do that. But what does this image of a Messiah mean to John as he's writing this? John says, their image of a Messiah is blinding them from seeing the true Messiah, just seeing Jesus as he truly is, and he's counting it as unbelief. He's saying this is not true belief. It's a problem for us sometimes because we get stuck on 
We get stuck on believing a thing about Jesus and not really experiencing the eternal life. Or we can get stuck on something in our lives that is good and we want to value and we're pursuing it, but we miss the picture of what we could actually have because we're so stuck on that other thing. I want to give an example of that from my own life. I like talking about myself. <laughs> you laugh because it's true, unfortunately. I also like comfort. Anyone else here like comfort? It was everything to not wear slippers up here today. I love comfort, people. I love it. And, um, and it's just the kind of guy that I am, you know? And I, I, it, it's, I wouldn't say it's a value in my life, but if I could be comfortable, I will move towards being comfortable rather than being uncomfortable. Anybody else? Right? You would say most people, but I really do like it. Uh, and, <laughs> and I think sometimes I, I raise this too high of a value in my life. So I will seek comfort experientially, which could be a blanket and slippers and a good tea and a Marvel movie. Right? And to me, that's comfort. I might actively pursue that. And, but I also like to see comfort um, relationally. And so I'm one of those people that, this is so revealing, I am one of those people that I will work really hard to be at peace with everyone, have everyone at peace with me. Someone's nodding. I saw a nod. Because you know what I'm talking about. I will, I will work so that there's comfort relationally amongst people. Right? At, to the point that I will say yes to a bunch of stuff. And you laugh because you know, I say yes to a bunch of stuff that I shouldn't say yes to. And inside I'm like, <laughs> but I put on the good Christian smile, I'm like, yes, I will do that because it's gonna give comfort relationally. So I'm so, I'm just always pursuing this thing, always pursuing it. Now you'll read around today, like, you know, there's a lot of like, these like self-talk books and like, you know, self-care books and they'll talk about learn how to say no. Learn how to say no. Do whatever you can to say no to stuff. And I'm like, okay, I could practice that. I could say no to things. And so I start practicing it. Someone's like, I want you to do this. I'm like, no. You know, and it's like, I'm trying to practice it. But Jesus, Jesus brought something to my attention. He said, I don't want you to just say no so that it becomes a law in your life. I don't want it to become a law in your life. Because sometimes the pursuit of comfort will deny the experience of my life in you. I want you to receive that right now. Sometimes, sometimes the things that we pursue can be a denial of the life that Jesus wants to do in and through us. And so it comes, it comes in my life in this way where I could say no to a bunch of stuff, right? But every once in a while, Jesus will say, listen, you, you don't want to be busy. You, don't, you want more comfort, but I am asking you to do this through somebody. So I'm asking you to say yes to this. Because my power is made perfect in weakness. Anyway, my power is made perfect in weakness. So sometimes God calls me to go above and beyond what I can actually do sometimes. So that he can reveal his power in and through me. And every time I say no to it, I create this law. I deny the experience of eternal life empowering me through my earthly life. And I miss an experience. I want life, a life, I want our abundant life, but that's not enough, guys. That's not what we've been called to. We've been called to the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and 
the life. We, we even call to eternal life to experience that. And so sometimes I have to say, okay, I pause, I say, okay, does Jesus, do you want me to do this? And Jesus will say, yes. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be comfortable. <laughs> Jesus says, that's okay. That's okay. I'm going to do this in and through you. And I'm going to tell you the other side of that. There's been a handful of times where some, people, some person has said to me, listen, Robin, you're doing a lot. You're busy. You're doing a lot of stuff. You do this, you do that, and you do this, you do that. It, is, it looks like a lot. How do you do it all? And the, and, the, and the response could be, yeah, I'm so great because I'm super busy. Or the response could be, yeah, I am mad. Everyone's asking me to do stuff, and I'm so busy. And none of those responses are correct. Sometimes the response is, you know what? I am doing a lot, and I don't know how I'm doing it. I guess it's just God's grace that I'm able to do it. And sometimes that act of faith of just saying yes to Jesus in something is all somebody else needs to see so that faith is activated in them. So they see Jesus working through you. You are recovering from sickness in your body. You've lost somebody close to you. You're experiencing trouble at work. Things are not easy. And for whatever reason, you're not fake smiling. You're, exu you're exuding joy and understanding and grace to other people in the midst of hardship. And someone's like, how are you doing it? It's because I didn't say no. I didn't create a law to protect myself. I didn't just pursue life. I instead said yes to whatever Jesus asked me to do. And I said, and he gave me his eternal life, his empowerment to do whatever he's called me to do. Jesus's brothers had an unmet expectation. They were expecting the Messiah to look like this. And because they were off just by a, a decimal, just because they were off just by a fraction, John called that unbelief. But when we have the opportunity to say yes to something that Jesus called us to do, we get to step into an experience And when I say belief here, I want to correct this. When I say belief here, I'm not just talking about, I'm not just talking about, okay, I believe everything's going to be okay. Sometimes Jesus calls the things where it is a risk, and you're going to step out into an area or step out into doing something that might be a risk, and you're like, man, this is, this is scary. He might be calling you to do that. And purposely, because he wants you to experience life in him and not the thing that you're pursuing, not, not comfort, um, not just everyone liking you. Uh, for some people, you, you're, you're pursuing equilibrium financially, right? And that's the thing you're after. If I have equilibrium financially, everything is in order, then I'll be happy. Jesus says, no, you don't need that right now. You need to listen to me and follow me. And in me, you will experience eternal life. Anyway, let's keep reading about these these brothers of Jesus, okay? And Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. So you guys go ahead up to the feast. I'm not gonna go up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. So this is Jesus' response to them. And he's making a very, very good call here. When he, that word time can also be translated opportunity. My opportunity hasn't come. Now, remember, everything the brothers said is actually going to happen, right? Because Jesus is going to go up to a feast. 
And he is going to go up to a feast openly. Does anyone remember what feast that Jesus shows up in Jerusalem for? Passover, yeah. So the right, he will show up for a feast. And he will come in openly. And when is that? We're going to celebrate it soon. When does he arrive openly in Jerusalem? What event is that? Palm Sunday. So someone's whisper Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. <laughs> You're right, Palm Sunday. So he shows up Palm Sunday. He comes on the donkey and they're waving Hosanna to him. So everything they are saying, it actually does happen. But it doesn't happen in the image, in the way that they desired it or they thought it would happen. Isn't that so true in our lives sometimes? Jesus does show up and he does accomplish something, but it's not the way we thought. And sometimes those unmet expectations can make us upset with Jesus. But no, he has a plan. He has a plan and he's going to execute this plan. And it may still not be the way you thought, but what's the benefit? The benefit is life to the world. Obviously, the benefit is the gospel. It's it's Jesus' death and resurrection. That's what's coming up. It's the greatest event in history. It's right around the corner. And so you see here, his time had not yet come. It wasn't the opportunity yet. But he says to them, your time is always here. You guys could always go up to Jerusalem anytime you want. You know, what is he saying? Listen, you guys are aligned with the world. The world hates me, so my time isn't yet. But you guys are aligned. You guys aren't following me. You don't really believe in who I am. So you can go up to Jerusalem anytime you want. The world cannot hate you, he says, but it hates me because I testify about it and that its works are evil. And what Jesus is doing is he's contrasting with what they said. They were talking about works. They're like, if you want to do your works, do this. If you want to impress the world, do this. Jesus says, let me talk to you about works in the world. He turns it around on them. He says, the works that I do, the world can't handle it. If I go and do works now, the Jewish leaders are going to just, they're going to jump on me. If I go up in a public way, they're, they're going to pause the ministry. I'm not going to do it that way. I'm not going to do it your way. He's also saying the world cannot accept me right now. They can't. So the timing is not correct. But he says, you guys go ahead up to the feast. I'm not going up to this feast. For again, my time has not fully come. Now let's keep reading now. Let's going to read um, chapter, verse 9 and onward, Okay. So it says, after saying this, Jesus remained in Galilee, but after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. Now, some commentators have said, okay, is Jesus lying? Did he, did he lie to them? Like, is he, is he pulling the wool over their eyes? Why did, why did he do that? I think the, the most responsible statement is to say that he didn't go up the way that they wanted him to, which was publicly. He instead, like that verse says in verse 10, he did go up, but he went up privately in a secret way. Even if you go to verse 14, even if you want to go there, it's not going to be on the screen. But verse 14 says that up and during the middle of the feast, not when it opened, but in the middle of it, that's when Jesus showed up secretly so that he could now surprise them by teaching people and drawing people to the gospel. So he, he timed it perfectly that way to make sure that this was an opportunity that his ministry wouldn't be stopped by the Jewish religious leaders who were indeed trying to kill him. And do they eventually kill him? Do they finally get their way to do that? Sure, but it's not the end of the story, as we know. You see, there's some important things for us to, to understand here. Jesus tells these brothers, he's like, listen, you have it backwards. Listen to my instruction. 
The world cannot accept me. And now you need to wait patiently. You need to wait patiently now for me to arrive and to see when my time will fully be. What happens to these brothers of Jesus? Okay, let's just talk about them for a sec because they've been our subject for so long. We read about them several times in the Gospels, always demonstrating a sort of um, um, air of uh, contempt towards Jesus. Well, we find out that two of Jesus' brothers actually do come to faith, right? Two of his half-brothers come to faith. is James, who writes the book of James, and Jude as well as a brother of Jesus. He also writes the book of the Bible, Jude. So these two eventually do come to faith, and they do realize, and then the words that Jesus said about understanding when his time was fully come, this is... Um, they actually are able to receive this and see it for what it is. But it did involve waiting. Some of us here, we have unmet expectations in the now. I want you to think about them right now. Be real with yourself. What are the unmet expectations that you have of Jesus? Maybe there's something that you expected him to do. You were expecting healing in your body, healing in a relationship. You're expecting help with the situation at work. You're expecting help with your finances. You reached out to him. You prayed. You fasted. You brought a bunch of people together to pray for you. You um, uh, subscribed to an online preaching ministry. Uh, You started giving to that online preaching ministry. You bought the prayer cloth. I'm just having fun now. No, but listen, but listen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, like you had these expectations of Jesus and the situation isn't solved. And you're not able to commit to saying, I believe in you, I accept that you can empower me through the situation until the situation is solved. There has to be healing in my body and the healing of my child's body or the healing of my friend's body. There has to be that before I could really trust you with the situation. And you have an unmet expectation and what's happening is it becomes an era of your life of unbelief that chokes eternal life from being expressed. Because Jesus wants to trust, wants you to trust in him, wants you to depend on him to make it through. Not on your own ability, not on your own wisdom, not on your own understanding, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. understanding. Acknowledge his ways in everything and he'll make your paths straight. But it takes trust and it does take waiting. Some of us, we might be stuck in that place where we're just struggling with those unmet expectations. And Jesus instead wants us to trust him. And he can give us the power then to wait, to empower us by his Holy Spirit, to endure whatever we're enduring, to see the other side of it. And listen, I know it's tough because I can talk the talk about my own life. I don't know what burdens you're carrying. I don't know what you need solved on the other end, on the other side for you guys to say that I could boldly trust in Jesus or believe in him or put my confidence in him. But all I could do is just like Jesus did, just invited people to realize that it's on his time. And his time is perfect. Jesus' time is perfect. He did show up at a feast. He did, he did show up publicly. It wasn't the way that they wanted, but what was the end result? It was the greatest event in history. If we're willing to wait patiently, and I'm not talking about stirring up all the waiting power you have. Lord Jesus, I really want Lucky Charms today. I hope someone blesses me with it. 
I'm stirring it up all inside of me. Waiting, waiting, waiting. No, 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 no. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, and patience. The power of the Holy Spirit inside of you to empower you to endure the weight. We have been given eternal life to empower us. Can we put that up on the screen again? Jesus wants us to experience eternal life to empower us, in order to empower us through our earthly life. It's not about stirring up the power in you. Yes, all those things that you desire, yes, those things, those things can happen. It may happen the way you want, but instead he doesn't want you to do it on your own power. He wants you to experience eternal life in the here and now. What's the benefit of that? Really the benefit of that is that you choose life over death. I mean, Jesus himself is life. Everything else that we pursue, I mean, even comfort. Even if the comfort is the number one thing that I pursue, what am I pursuing? Well, it's death apart from Jesus because Jesus himself is the life. And so rather I turn my attention to the life to endure the waiting that I'm experiencing. Let's take this time to pray together. And even before I pray now, I just um, even just call to attention whatever that unmet expectation is. Jesus' brothers were looking for a Messiah, so they couldn't properly see the Messiah. We might be waiting for a thing to give us life when the life is living inside of us. The life is present in and around us. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. We are in close proximity to him. And so whatever that thing that you are reaching for, that you're trying to experience, that you're trying to get life out of, call it out in your mind now. What is it? What's got you worked up? What's got you striving? What's got you sweating? What's got you stressed out? got you anxious? What's got you angry at God? What is that thing? And even if you can even just visually even just picture yourself right now, you're holding it in your hand and presenting it to the one who is life. I want to invite you, you can do it on your own, obviously, but I want to invite you to trust him with that. Be open with him. Confront that unmet expectation. Call it out. Call it what it is. Tell him about your disappointment. Tell him about your anger. Tell him about your frustration. What is it? Right in that in-between, Jesus, I just pray that you would pry our fingers away from that thing that we're holding on to that we're trying to pursue as life. In your gentleness, pry our fingers open and take it. And give us the power to endure. And I pray that even now that you give us the instructions. What do we need to do in this moment to, to actively, with you, wait until you bring fruition or completion or a solution.
even right now too, I just pray, you know, they're, they're, um, even just for healing right now, I, I just want to pray uh, uh, for healing. Uh, there, there are some of us now, we're, we're struggling with, with, um, with either sickness in our body or sickness in a loved one's body. And it's easy, it's easy to say, okay, fine, Jesus, I'm going to struggle through this. But for whomever that is right now, if you're struggling with that in any kind of way, I just pray right now that the peace of God will come upon you. Even right now. I just pray for the peace of the presence of God to come upon you right now. I pray, Jesus, that you would remind these individuals of your nearness and your love and passion for them. And even now, I pray for healing. I pray that healing would come. I pray, Jesus, that you would you would bring healing to that situation, to that, to whatever part of the body it is, or you would heal it now, revive it. That's that in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.